following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Hey, it's Adam Carolla. The greatest time of the year is back. College basketball. That's right. March Madness, March Mania, and March Money. Join in on everyone's favorite game, the Bracket Challenge Contest at betonline.ag. Sign up for a free account, receive your 50% welcome bonus, and make your picks. All the early lines for all the games are now available, so don't miss out on any of the action for the next three weeks at betonline.ag, the exclusive partner at Podcast One Sportsnet. Hey, everybody, before we get going, could you please do the Forbes podcast a huge favor by filling out a less than five minute survey? Just go to podcastone.com slash my survey or go to podcastone.com and click on the survey banner. It's completely anonymous, and your responses will help us align appropriate advertisers with you, our listeners. So that we can be talking about things that are relevant to you. If you've if you filled out a survey in the past, we thank you, but we we still need you to do it again. Your efforts will help us stay free to download with minimal ads. Podcastone.com and click on the survey banner. Thank you for taking a few minutes uh, to fill out the survey. I don't ever want to be that person that sits on the sidelines and watches other people play and life go by me. That's such a great point. It's so true. And if you feel nervous, you're probably doing the right thing. Absolutely. Welcome to the Forbes Under 30 podcast. I'm Steve Goldblum, your host. On this show, we speak with young entrepreneurs and innovators. And support from Forbes Under 30 comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. You're confident when it comes to your work and life. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same confidence when it comes to refinancing an existing mortgage or buying a home. It lets you understand all the details so you can be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. Go to rocketmortgage.com slash Forbes. Today I'm sitting down with Annie Lawless. She's the co-founder of Sucha Juice, an organic cold-pressed juice company, which to give you a sense of its success, sold a 30% minority stake to Coca-Cola. Now she's turned her expertise in wellness and health into her website, Blonde. It's spelled B-L-A-W-N-D-E. She's also a Forbes under 30 listee. And we should say that she's sitting directly across from me. I am. It's nice to have you here. <laughs> nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. I was saying we don't normally do these interviews in person, so um, it's exciting. I don't know that it's exciting for the listener, but I, it's exciting for me. It's more fun this way. Yeah. Now, you've sold t- – tell us where the where Sue just gone now because you sold to Coca-Cola. Yeah. I'm no longer involved anymore. Um August of 2015, we sold a minority stake to Coca-Cola and um, 20% to Goldman Sachs. And I just sort of hit a point where I felt like I was ready for a new challenge and I wanted to do something that, you know, I had passion for again like I did mm-hmm. in the beginning and that I was excited to kind of learn and grow. So I decided it was a really good time for me to step away and kind of switch gears and think about what it was I wanted to really do next and like what projects really excited right. me. Let me ask you this. Were there dynamics that changed in the business, which is normal, and egos or anything, were there anything that changed that said, I, I, I can't work it like this or I need to, I need to head in a different direction? Um, definitely. I would say, you know, the experience was incredible and I have so much respect for all of my partners and everyone who was part of the brand and grew the brand. Um, but you definitely, 
once you get all these different personalities involved, you definitely see something that you've created turn into something that you wouldn't necessarily want it to be in that way or you wouldn't want to necessarily stand behind or, you know, certain decisions that you're kind of like, oh, that's not what I would do. And so you kind of start to feel um, disconnected from a brand that you were very connected to. And, um, you know, obviously everyone thinks they're right and everyone thinks that their vision is the best vision. And so it can be a little bit frustrating in that environment to constantly feel like things are heading in a direction where you actually don't see, you know, it preserving the brand vibe and what it was that you actually set out to do. Were you worried that the integrity of the brand would be lost? Um, I don't think that the brand really could lose its integrity. I mean, just the backbone of the brand is, you know, to help people create really healthy products, completely organic. Um, I do think, you know, as time goes on, certain, you know, skews are kind of introduced where it's like, oh, that's not what I, there's a lot of sugar in that or, you know, things like that where you kind of, decisions start to get made that you don't necessarily stand behind. Um, And I also think, you know, company culture changes as a brand grows and as a company grows and it starts to become a much different environment than when it was a little startup with, you know, the four core people or whatever it was. And so I think I just realized that I wasn't as excited about it as I was at one point. And I thought that we had a really great run together and that it was time for me to kind of step out on my own and do something that I could put my hands on again and feel. The sweat equity and ownership behind. Yeah. What what then is Blonde? What happened next? Blonde was sort of my interim, and I still do Blonde. Blonde is my blog, and it sort of started as just – well, it actually started me posting meals, like what I'd eat in a day, like three meals a day, which okay. I realized people were really fascinated about. And then when I would post pictures, they'd ask me what shoes I was wearing, like if I was doing an overhead shot of my plate, okay. what, what my outfit was, what makeup I wear, what's my workouts like. And right. I realized people are just really curious. So I kind of started doing more lifestyle posting where I had outfit posts, um, what I eat in a day posts, my workout posts, Can I look beauty on, posts. Oh, sure. On, I imagine on Instagram you're pretty On Instagram active, it's just right? my name, uh, Annie Lawless. Okay. How – Difficult. I mean, this, you have a huge followership. You have a huge oh, followers. Followship? Followership? Followership? You have a lot of followers. Um, how did you build that audience? Um, it happened really organically. I would say consistency with my blog and just putting more content out there. You know, people started coming to my blog. I saw my analytics really start to grow. Mm-hmm. They obviously wanted to – on a blog, you know, you can only post so many times. A blog post takes a really long time, I learned. So I was only posting like twice a week, three times a week. But right. they want another place to see what you're up to on a daily basis. And then things like Insta Story and Snapchat are now there in a big way where that's a huge part of – being an influencer or a blogger right, um, is sharing day-to-day tidbits, what you're doing, what you're wearing, what you're eating. And so I think it just kind of grew by my consistency and kind of always pumping out content. Well, you started with nothing, though. Oh, yeah. Well, coming from the brand, you know, after I would help. Being, you could use Sucha to kind of... It helped a lot because I know that there were a lot of people that I had written a lot on a, the blog on our website on Sucha. I would get a lot of emails from girls. Okay. A lot of like personal questions, and so I think that there were people that were excited when I had kind of my own space to like, right. connect directly with them. So it was, I think, a lot of those people came over 
and then it just kind of grew from there. Does it ever drive you crazy, though, that you have this thing that you have to feed when you're kind of – because you strike me as like, I, you know, you, I'm sure that uh, it's really interesting what, you're, what you have to say. But at the same time, you strike me as somewhat of a private person. I am. So how do you reconcile those two things? Um, I am, and it's interesting. I talk to my husband about this a lot because there's times where we will be, you know, on a trip or – you know, at dinner, and he'll say, like, oh, do you need to snap this before I eat it, like, on his dinner yeah. and things like that. So I sometimes just, like, shut off, and I just do unplug. Right. But for the most part, it's such a part of my life, and I really enjoy it, and I have a really good rapport with all of my followers. And, like, I sit in bed at night for a good hour and go through all my direct messages. I try to write back every single comment on mm-hmm. Instagram. And for me, it's really fun to connect. So I actually don't mind it. Um I think that if it did start to feel like a burden and something that was like a constant annoyance on a daily basis that I had to do, it would be different. But I'm really passionate about it. And it has to be authentic. Because oh, the totally. second you start faking it, I mean, like people just go across the street, right? And people know you so well after, you know, following you and seeing your content that you have to, they kind of want to connect. They know your personality. At now, this what point. is that? They know you, but you don't know them. So, does this ever translate into real life? People coming up and being like, "I'm a big fan. I oh, just yeah. wanted you to know." Yeah, it's really interesting because um, I usually it happens a lot in San Diego, um, but I was in an elevator in Spain, in Barcelona, and I had been out with my husband. We got back really late from this really fun dinner. We walked the streets, went and got coffee. Yeah. It's like two. And I'm the last thing I'm thinking is I'm going to see anyone. And I'm in an elevator at this hotel called The Arts. And this girl and her husband are in there. And she goes, I'm so sorry to bother you, but I read your blog. I am like so obsessed with it. I just want to say hi. Do you mind if I get a picture with you? And then we actually – kept in touch so I said when you get back to your room send me a Facebook message so I like know your info we can and so we stayed in touch and she lives in California Northern California so we talk still so it's very interesting there you go go. and so what is the financial model of the of the blog and of Mm -hmm. the social media presence Mm -hmm. so typically um, on my blog you know I make money through affiliate links so when I post things that I'm wearing, there's all these different affiliate networks that you can use. And I use one called Reward Style. And I'm a little bit different than a lot of bloggers out there because I don't do a lot of brand deals. I post clothes that I actually buy myself because I have to like what I'm wearing. Right. But if I'm wearing something and I get a bunch of questions, I'll go find it online. Like say say about this dress at Nordstrom. I'll go to Nordstrom.com, find the dress, use Reward Style. There's like a little um, – toolbar button you click it their link they kind of link you up um you're already registered with them they link it up and give you a unique link that's not nordstrom.com's backslash you know it's reward style whatever and it takes them through the affiliate so i get a commission of it's a very small percentage but it adds up you know when you grow your content um so i get a small commission if someone bought something through my site okay that's why you're reading that's why people do this on podcasts all the time they say go to you know nordstrom.com slash forbes yeah Yeah, yeah, right right and so um that's sort of the main way um occasionally i will do brand deals there's some brands i'm like very very passionate about that i love that i already purchased with my own money tons of their products they'll offer you a flat rate so they'll find an influencer that they think is aligned with whatever campaign they're doing say mm-hmm. say Nordstrom for example I've done a few of them is doing an activewear campaign 
they say we're really pushing you know, active wear for summer. Um, we would like you to pick five items. Here are the sh- like categories that you can pick from in the brands so that I can kind of create my own content. I'm not given something told what to wear, but they just pay you a flat rate. So they'll say, okay, you know, it'll be X amount of dollars for one blog post. You must tag Nordstrom, link Nordstrom, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. they'll give you requirements and you can do it that way. Um, but for the most part, my blog is really not to make money. There's a t- I would say the majority of the time I don't even really tag my stuff. Um, When I first started it was, but now I'm sort of just kind of having fun with it. It's not really something I'm looking to do as a legitimate business, you know, going into the future. It's just sort of a fun thing for me. And social? Social too. So reward styles linked into social media. So a lot of girls will do something. If you've ever seen a post, it has something called like to know it. Um, and they'll say, shop my thing here. So when you like their photo, if you're signed up to like to know it, you'll get an email in your inbox with their, their outfit and what they're wearing. And when you click that link, that influencer gets the commission from the sale. Unbelievable. So yeah. all they have to do is like it like to it. give their information out. Yeah. They have to be registered with reward style. But if you wanted – say you say there was a guy blogger with really good style that you were like, I want to dress like him. I like it. Yeah. You would go to rewards – you would go to like to know com, which is – Run by reward style. Yeah. Just enter your email and your Instagram handle. It'll link your Instagram account to your Like to Know It account automatically. And then when you like photos on Instagram that have the Like to Know It link in the caption, you will get an email to Amazing. It. Yeah. And what about the link in the bio? Um, link in bio, you can do that. That feels kind of outdated now, isn't it? It's a little outdated, I think. But the, you it, can do it where you can just go to reward style Get a get a link for whatever yeah. it is that you're trying to sell and pop that in your bio, and you'll get commissions of that too. What link do you put in your bio? Um, my new brand, lawlessbeauty.com. There it is. Okay. Okay. Cool. And so, when you, where are most of the posts going? Is it just Instagram or is it video? Is it Snapchat, Insta Story? I'm doing mostly Instagram and Insta Story. I've given up on Snapchat because now that well, I love consolidation into one app, and so while Snapchat has way better filters. Mm-hmm. I like just being able – because when Insta Story then rose up, it was like, oh, now I have to – if I'm doing something, now I have to Insta Story it. But then I have to Snapchat the same thing because it's like you're trying to cover all your channels. Right. So for me, it's just much easier to go into Insta Story, do it there. For the done. people that don't know, what, about, what do you, how do you describe Insta Story? Insta Story is a real-time way to either video or photograph without tons of editing. It's not as curated as an actual Instagram post what you're doing real time. So like last night, for example, yeah. I was at a makeup event. I was Insta-storying makeup by Mario talking. And then I was writing, you know, little captions about like, oh, I'm good. I'm doing this when I get home and things like that. And then my followers can direct message me based on that Insta-story and say like, oh, this is so cool. Ask him this or what shade is he using? So you can have a more real-time rapport right. where now Instagram has become so curated that, you know, girls sit and spend 40 minutes just editing a photo to get it up on Instagram with the it's right caption. Yeah. yeah. So the Insta let's this, let's just use this example. You're out last night and you're doing something in real time and you're taking a video mm-hmm. of you doing it, mm-hmm. right? So you're holding the phone up and or someone's filming you. Yeah. And you put it up and it's like 15 seconds mm-hmm. and you did you write anything on it or Yep. Okay. A lot of times I do. A lot of times I'll write something on the tech, on the actual photo. Yes. Okay. So like yesterday we were at the hotel, mm-hmm. and there was a button by the door that said makeup room. Yeah. And it was <laughs> for maid service, but I legitimately thought, oh, this if I the, press this, it's going to turn on 
all these makeup lights in the bathroom so I can use them. Oh, right, yeah. So my husband was like, are you kidding? Of course that's not what it means. It's to make up the room. So, like, I Insta-storied, you guys, I just pressed this button and yes. thought. So something like that's not an Instagram post, but an Insta-story can kind of in a much more casual way, real-time share funny things that right. happen throughout your day, little stories, stuff like that. It's not archived, though, is it? No, it's 24 hours and it disappears. 24 hours disappears. So if people want to comment on that, do they comment on that Yeah, so on video? an Insta story, you just click reply okay. as it's playing if you want to comment on it, and I'll get it as a DM in my inbox. You know, there's two camps of people listening to this. One is like it's incredibly fascinating. The others are like, how do you not know like, what she's duh, describing? Duh. Yeah, and that's okay. We can live. We can live between those worlds. It happens so fast. I mean, it take it takes a lot to know to master all these apps. They're happening so quickly and changing right. so quickly. So, and we're taking a quick break now, but we'll be right back. Support for the Forbes podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, the mortgage company that decided to ask why. Why can't clients get approved in minutes rather than weeks? Why can't they make adjustments to their rate and term in real time? And why can't there be a client-focused technological mortgage revolution? Quicken Loans answered all these questions and more with Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash Forbes. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. It's the semi-annual sale at Mattress Firm. For a limited time, get huge savings of up to $500 on our top-rated mattresses. We have more than 15 beds with over four-star ratings on sale store-wide. Like our fan-favorite Serta Memory Foam Queen mattress, now just $397. You won't find this deal anywhere else. But hurry in, this sale ends Tuesday. Your budget stretches further at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com slash sale. We were talking about YouTubers Mm -hmm. and influencers. Let's talk a little more about how you're using people who are, like, what is this phenomenon of people unboxing and and using and talking about wellness or talking about makeup mm-hmm. that you've seen on YouTube? Yeah, so I actually have a YouTube channel where I would do a number of things. I would talk about health topics, um, makeup tutorials, okay. what's in my beauty bag, that kind of thing. Your own channel. My own channel. Is it called Blonde? Um, yeah. If you just actually go to YouTube and search my name, I think that's where it more comes up. Okay. Um, but through that, I got really fascinated with watching YouTubers. Yeah. And so um, in a couple weeks, I'm launching my own beauty brand, and I've cho- I've totally chosen to use all of my marketing budget to influencers and social media and not really go about it in the traditional way at all. Interesting. Like paid ads. Okay, so explain. What are you going to do? Um, like I'm working with two YouTubers, for example. So they have been sent the product. They loved it. I talk with their managers and figure out how we can incorporate it into a video. Okay. And so you do it that way. Or a lot of my girlfriends are bloggers. So it'll be completely organic. I'm just sending them a bunch of product and telling them to post their experience with it. Um, how I'm many also- followers? How many? How many views are we talking and subscribers? 
Um, so, for example, my wedding, um, my five maids of honor, four of them are bloggers. Well, okay. actually, no, I'm sorry. Not maids of honor, bridesmaids. Three of them are bloggers. Yeah. So throughout their posting, throughout the entire weekend, my posting, and then brides' Instagram p- posted all of us, which has a million followers. I think my Instagram was up to like two, two and a half million impressions, meaning that that's how many – times it popped up in someone's feed. Right. So when you have multiple people posting that have a s- significant following within the same time frame whether it's a few days or a few weeks about one thing, the amount of impressions one that hashtag. that thing gets um through hashtag, through tagging, okay. um tap tagging, so say I send my which I am doing. I'm sending out these VIP boxes to 50 top influencers. Mm-hmm. So they will get a box that has all the product in it with a little lookbook that explains what each shade is, how it works, yep. the ingredients, the company mission, etc. When they open it up, I hope nobody's listening because it's supposed to be a surprise, but there will be a video. I, I hope somebody's listening. <laughs> <laughs> I hope nobody is out there. Um, yeah. There will be a video that pops up. So the minute they lift it, music starts playing and it's me. And I say like, hi, Sophie, or hi, whoever it is. I'm so excited to share my line with you. So yes. it's kind of a cool little. Okay. And so that's cool enough. They'll be excited enough to get that, that they will turn on their Insta story and be like, wow, look what I just got from this brand. They'll tag the brand and then they'll show the product. So when you have 50 girls with a significant following doing that in the same week. Right. They're all making videos And tagging about the brand. It. The brand starts to get some social traction because now people are coming to my page. They're clicking. They want to know what it is. They see this. They're wondering, oh, so-and-so got this. And so what is that? And so it's an interesting way. And for me, I've noticed my audience has a connection to me. They trust me. When I say that I like a product or I'm using a product, they know that I'm being honest. Where if they're flipping through a magazine and see an ad of a product, there's no connection, like emotional connection. Right, to them. they're connected to you. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to be going the influencer out because I think that these girls have such strong followings and these their followers trust them. So having them, you know, stand behind a product is way more valuable to me than having it in a paid ad or any other real traditional marketing. Plus, you method. eliminate third parties. And all this regulation. Absolutely. It sounds like you're coming up with the campaign. Yeah. You're selecting these bills. Like you were out last night, you said, in L.A., mm-hmm. and you were, you saw some of the YouTubers. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so that's an example of a brand, Laura Mercier. It's a mm-hmm. big makeup brand. They invited all of these bloggers and influencers to come, and we watched this masterclass, but we're all posting about it. This is so cool, tagging Laura Mercier. And when they have the budget, a brand like that, to throw such a cool event, all of us – you know, attendees were posting about it, and then we're all mingling. So now, these so people... they know they've invited you, and then the impression of the whole event is through the roof. Exactly. So now their brand awareness is much higher because they've gone through all these influencers that reach millions of people. Now, are you still posting videos on your YouTube channel? I've I've not posted in quite some time. That's but a lot of work. It's a lot of work, but. Um, a big part of that was the space that I was posting was my old apartment, and then I got engaged and got married. So now I've got a beauty room at our house. So oh, okay. That For, is going to be – This is the production room, really. Yeah, this is going to be finished in about a week. So um, I have my lighting camera, so I'm going to revive the channel. When you do your – do you have a production crew that you work with? No. Or is, it, is it just you? It's just me. Really? So you edit all your own videos? No. 
Um, the editing, I don't know how to do. I'm trying to learn. Yeah. I want, I'm trying to like, I'm watching YouTube tutorials of Final Cut Pro. Yeah. Um, but there is a husband wife team in San Diego that is super sweet, and I've known them for a long time. And, and they'll they, do it. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about some of the the products that you're launching. Yeah. So it's going to be natural makeup and. I really feel like there is no sexy natural makeup out there. It's all packaged, very granola. You have to go right. to stores like Whole Foods to get it. You don't walk into a, part, a department store to the Chanel counter or NARS counter or Bobby Brown counter and see anything natural next to those prestige brands. But a girl like me, I want that feeling in my makeup. I want beautifully packaged makeup. I want it to feel cool. I want it to be pigmented. I want it to be long-lasting and heavy-duty just the way that conventional makeup is. And I couldn't find any natural makeup that performed that way. And I tried it all. So I decided, I think what had happened in juice and kind of the organic food world in the last, you know, 20 years, before Whole Foods came around, there was really not any sexiness to natural food. There was all these really crunchy granola health food stores. Yeah. And now with, you know, the way that the trend has gone and the way that people are starting to care more and all the studies that have come out, it's very, like, cool to go get a green juice and have avocado toast and go to yoga and meditate. And it's become a trendy thing. Yeah, right, right, right. And so, um, I mean, especially here in L.A., you know, everyone else around the country eye rolls, but, like, that is – it's really trendy. Mm -hmm. And I think that that has started to happen with skincare. There's still been a lot more luxury natural skincare brands come out, but there's been no really good natural makeup brand that actually has beautiful packaging and is at that luxury level that feels luxe and is just as good as those other brands. And so where are you at with finance? Have you raised all the money that you need? I'm actually going to self-fund this as long as I possibly really? can. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You don't want to – well, you've learned some lessons, Yeah, it no, like. I, I want to maintain control, and I think I will be able to. So. Okay. Great. Well, do you have any advice for entrepreneurs out there that are looking to start their own thing and, and maybe – uh, employ some of your marketing technique, techniques that you mentioned? Yeah, I definitely would say if you have an idea and you think that it's viable, just start now. Don't don't wait until – you're never going to have enough money. You're never going to have enough time. Right. You're never going to know. I mean, it's not like I, Eric and I started Sujo with a business plan. We just did it. You know, We started doing something we loved. It grew organically and – you, nobody knows what they're doing. So just start. Start by – start how? In small ways, every day. What can you do today? What phone calls can you make? You know, If you have a product, why, why aren't you trying to get it in hands? How can you do that? Mm -hmm. You know, Start small, like deliver it locally or right. whatever you can do. Um, additionally, I think in terms of tapping into the whole social and influencer world, it's really important to make sure that you have – social media channels as a brand now if when i get something sent to me from a brand that is pitching for me to do some kind of deal with them on the blog i go to their instagram before i even go to their website because that's where i look for the real right. vibe of the brand right so you need to have all your social channels a facebook page an instagram page twitter that's so important is it really important to have the facebook and twitter just as much as instagram i don't think it's as important but i think I mean, it's especially now Facebook is kind of dying, especially yeah. among a younger demographic. But I do think it's important to have a business page so that – and if somebody does use Facebook, I know like my mom's generation uses Facebook way more than Instagram. They can find you there because you're trying to reach people. So if you're available in as many places as you can be on social media, right. you know, that way people can choose their platform that they gravitate towards and they'll be able to find you there. Do you find that people who are – either aspiring influencers 
or influencers feel a pressure to maintain a certain level? Or did, what is the most frequent thing people come up to you and ask? I think the most – the biggest misconception about being a blogger or yeah. influencer is that you go to fun events, take photos of your outfits. It's easy. And travel. And – it's just not that way. I mean, for example, I was at Fashion Week last year with two of my best girlfriends who are also bloggers. And I we've never been more exhausted in our life. You are running around to show after show after show. You're only there because you know that you need to be getting content. You're snapping photos, but then you have events at night. But then you have to get back to the hotel and download all the content, edit it, figure out a cool way to position it. I mean – the amount of time in a blog post to write the copy, t- shoot the photos, edit the photos, link everything up, post it, then deal with all the emails, comments, and upkeep with that. And then most bloggers are negotiating their own brand deals. So then the back end of it, dealing with the brand, you know, all the invoicing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's not a joke. It's a big job. And balancing it all, I think, can be really tough. And I've even attempted to find, you know, interns or girls to work. And I think that they – think they're going to walk into a really fun little job where I sit and unbox brand products all day. But that's the 1% of things that you see on Instagram, 99% of work has to happen in order to have that fun part be there. Right. So it's, it's, it's a lot of work. And I think these girls, I have incredible respect for the big, big bloggers that have millions of followers because they work incredibly hard. Is there camaraderie among the group? Definitely. I mean, it's it can be a very catty world, but for the most part, you are at a lot of the same events. You're working with a lot of the same brands. Um, there's so many times I show up at an event alone, and I see a girl that I've been at an event with before, and I'm so happy to see her, and I right. barely know her, and we just chat. And you, I've made amazing friends through blogging, and so it's really fun. What about I Justine? I Justine. Do you know I Justine? I just I just So I did a story on her a while. I mean, this is like four or five years ago, but she was a, one of the first YouTubers. Oh, she's a YouTuber. See, I'm she's so new YouTuber. to YouTube in the last like two years. Oh, yeah, I know her. Yeah, you know her. Okay, yes, I did yes. a story on her where I actually like went. It was for PBS, and I went like covered her and day in the life, etc. And it was fascinating. I mean, she a really does. Yeah, with what went into it, and she was so smart and tech savvy. And it was this – I mean, so it really was – and that was kind of the version she put out there. Mm-hmm. But I think it was also easy for people you could see to judge it. Oh, yeah. It's great. Like not knowing what I saw. A lot of people think it's a joke. Yeah, it's like, a joke. Like just these girls want to be bloggers. Yeah, she probably and, just flew in yeah. for an hour and then left. I'm like, no, this is – this production house is – It's it moving. would drive anyone crazy. Yeah. One, the YouTubers have it even worse than blogging because they – most of them edit their own videos. Right. So they shoot the videos. They have to prepare all of that do the filming edit all the content post the content but before they've already posted they're late on their next video i mean it's just an endless it's It's a bottomless pit of content how do you figure out how to make the formulas for your for your beauty products yeah so i actually work with a lab and um it's so funny because i was wondering why has nobody done really good natural makeup it must be so difficult Mm -hmm. and i think the real challenge is because a lot of these ingredients aren't known but they're out there. So, for example, silicone. It's a great ingredient in makeup because it gives that slip and that glide in any lip product. Yes. And it also smooths over texture in the skin. So if you put a foundation on, it doesn't you know, cling. It kind of glides over. Okay. But silicone is not natural. Your body can't break it down properly. So when you absorb it through the skin, it's not like you can metabolize silicone. 
So there's like a plant-based silicone mimic, Mm -hmm. essentially, that um, is out there. And it's an ingredient that you can import and whatever. And I think you go to – a lot of formulators go to a lab. And because the lab doesn't say, oh, yeah, you know, because they don't know that ingredient yet – it seems challenging, but really just doing research. I've tested tons of makeup. I've found what I like. I work with the lab where I say I would like this ingredient, this yeah. ingredient, this ingredient. We kind of go through multiple rounds. I test it. I approve the base formula, and then we get into the colors. So I literally just take Pantone books, kind of find shades I want, get samples, and then I say, oh, you know, this needs a touch more pink to okay, it, whatever. Right, right. And it just goes like that. So it's a really collaborative, fun process. What are some lessons learned from Sucha that you're applying now to your brand? Well, I think with natural, I learned that people will ask questions. So you have, whatever you put out, you have to know it like the back of your hand. There can be no holes, especially when you're making a natural claim. Um, every single ingredient must be natural. So there's you can't cut corners. You right. can't. A lot of natural brands I found out there on the market have one natural ingredient, but then like five bad ones, but they only promote that one ingredient. Yeah, like, right. oh, we put argan oil in here, but we also have parabens, that, the other. Okay. So um, just being really, really transparent and making sure that we can stand up to any sort of questions from consumers. And where do you think you want to go from here? Um, I want to grow this brand. It's going to be a full makeup line eventually, and I want to grow this brand and ultimately um, sell it. There you go. And yeah. how many how how many years off do you think you are from that? Um, probably a few. Probably a few. So, final question: mm-hmm. As a philosophy major, mm-hmm. who do you lean on? What words of wisdom or any 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 writing that you turn to when you kind of need to unplug and and uh, keep yourself motivated? Um, I would say actually beyond any like you know, well-known philosopher, the best advice I ever got that I think about and reflect about a lot and apply to my life is from my husband when we were not even dating yet, I don't think. And I was working really, really hard and I had to cancel something on him. And he said, I was apologizing. And he said, well, it's so much better to be playing in the game of life than sitting on the sidelines. So like, go do your thing. And I always thought about that, like, You know, a lot of people are too scared to get in the game. They don't want to get hurt. They don't want to fall. They don't want to lose. But if you don't play in the game, you'll never win. You never have that opportunity to win. You never have that opportunity to learn something if you fall and know how to play differently the next time. So you're kind of stagnant. You're you're just not benched. And that really stuck with me. And I constantly tell myself that when I'm tired or when I'm kind of holding back, like, is, am I crazy? This could be a huge disaster. What am I doing? Or I'm just putting all this money into this, and what if it's a complete right. flop? And then I just t- – well, at least I played in the game. You know, nothing you else. I swing. can tell myself I played in the game. I had a good time. I learned something, and I was at least playing and living versus sitting on the sidelines. And I don't ever want to be that person that sits on the sidelines and watches other people play and life go by me. That's such a great point. It's so true. And if you feel nervous, you're probably doing the right thing. Absolutely. I think, you know, no risk, no reward. So you should always have a little edge to what you're doing and feel a little nervous about it in order to actually know that it's – it's going to be a big deal if it works. I like that. My British friend always says, fortune favors the brave. Oh, I you've got like a good British fortune accent. Fortune favors the brave. Yes. She mumbled it once. I said that. I never forgot it. That well, was like six true. years ago. Yeah. Because all the easy things where there's no risk, <laughs> yeah. everyone does it. So it's to true. do the things people won't do, that's what's the harder. All right. Um, Annie, 
thank you very much. Of course. Thank you for having me. And uh, well, I'll be following you okay. on Instagram. There we go. <laughs> Great. Send me messages. I will. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. That's it for this episode of Forbes Under 30. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to reach out to us with a comment or question, please do so at under 30. That's the number 30 at podcastone.com. The semi-annual sale at Mattress Firm. For a limited time, get huge savings of up to $500 on our top-rated mattresses. We have more than 15 beds with over four-star ratings on sale store-wide. Like our fan-favorite Serta Memory Foam Queen mattress, now just $397. You won't find this deal anywhere else. But hurry in, this sale ends Tuesday. Your budget stretches further at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com sale. At the border, I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying, and the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.